You're listening to Fight in Progress. With your hosts and stress coaches, founder of Under the Shield, Susan Simmons, and TomTheBomb.com. Fight in Progress grapples with the internal and external struggles in the daily lives of our men and women in law enforcement, the armed forces, and first responders. Tackling the tough topics and supporting those who support us. We hear you, and we're here for you. And we hear this a lot from families. Yeah. And it's, you know, and I think it's happening more and more shockingly. It, it always amazes me at the disciplined things that are happening in law enforcement. Like we've got these long list of people who want to be the cop. And at the time frame, I mean, we're looking like he was close to the 20 years. Right. right. So you're talking about, you know, 18 years or whatever it was of nothing. Yes. And then to like, you know, like this, I don't know. I, I just don't think that people understand. I mean. Look, regular people, civilians, right? Just everyday people. We all have our own stresses, whether it's school, work. You know, we deal with BS at work. But the BS that officers deal with yep. is on a different level. I mean, when you're talking about like work drama, sure, it's on a different level. When you're putting on that uniform and already putting your life on the line to then have to deal with stupid politics. Yes, Listen, departments need to get their shit together. They do. Because it's, it's, not, it's not fair. You know, the scariest part for me when my son was talking about going to law enforcement, um, and I would talk about it in trainings, and I said, you know, a, a line of duty death would be an honorable death. My bigger fear, as much as I would hate to lose my child, my bigger fear was him going to prison for doing his damn job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because somebody wanted to use him as an example right. and throw him under a bus to save their sorry ass. And that's what makes some of the me- – again – like, and look, people that know me know, like, they know who, how I am. If when, when an officer makes a mistake, I'm, I'm right there, you know, criticizing, but the media also doesn't, right. isn't helping a Let lot of Let the punishment costs. fit the crime, people, because exactly. we have to with Joe Public. And wait till the investigation is done before you jump to conclusions. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, they're they're guilty. And, you know, I said, I don't know what point in the academy you sign away your Bill of Rights, but somewhere <laughs> exactly. you do. But, but yeah, bring, we all do. I, and I bring that up because I, you have to, you have to think that you know everything that's being portrayed, it has to you know play a factor in leadership's you know Absolutely. mentality. It, it it's a lot of it is politically motivated, and it's um. It's pretty disturbing because what's the saying? It takes a, a thousand attaboys to undo one oh shit, basically. Yeah. And uh, again, you're put in positions where you're having to deal with more than most other professions that we know of. And yet we are expecting perfection, but we're not teaching that. Right. And that's that's an issue. And then. And, you know, some that you talk about all the time, but that psychological garbage can too. Yes. If you're not unloading, like if you're not talking to your family, well, one, I, I strongly encourage everyone to talk to their family yes. in, in some sort of way, you know, um, but you have to have somebody to talk to. I'm so glad, you know, Tom shared a lot of stuff, you know, since the passing. I'm so glad that, you know, my dad had Tom. Yeah. But. Not everyone has someone yeah. like a Tom. Right. And, and you know, that may also not be enough. Like you. Uh, Somebody a little more objective sometimes. Yeah. That they can talk to safely. Yeah. I mean, that this 
the psychological garbage can. I mean, we've put we've put podcasts out about it, but it's a it's a real thing. It is. And I'll tell you, I mean, I I thought that I thought I could handle a lot. <laughs> and um so you know, on the family side, look, everyone everyone deals with stuff, right? I had um my grandma who's basically a second mom to me. She passed from cancer and that was really tough. Um, for multiple reasons, just how that whole thing went down. She basically was sent from Puerto Rico out here to seek treatment. When she got here, she was denied. Uh, we tried doing everything by the book. Yep. And she was denied coverage. And basically, finally found a facility that would help her in Utah. And they said, too late. Too late. They did what they could, but she, it was yeah. just a little too late. Wow. And uh, yeah, she passed from cancer. Um, I had a friend... Two years after that, commit suicide yep. in my close circle. And, and that actually plays a factor later on. Um, and then when I come back uh, from from Texas, um, I, had a, I had a friend reach out and said that they wanted to get together. I was like, man, I'm just, I'm really tired. I'm hope, you know, I, I, my go-to guys, my, 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 the way that I would deal with stuff was just put my head down and work. Mm-hmm. I worked a lot. And... Um, you know, I was like, man, I, I, I just, I, I got some work to do and I'm really tired. I don't think I'm be able to make it today. Uh, you know, let's reschedule for next week. Two days later, um, you know, that friend was shot and killed, um, out in Mesa. Uh, then fast forward to, and by the way, this is all in a span of maybe five, five years outside of grandma's death, um, about five years. Um, and again, my, my go-to was put my head down and just work. I, I, I'd actually, all that energy that you store, I would mm-hmm. try to put it into work. And, you know, hey, that, that worked for me for <laughs> a lot of years. And so I thought, you know, I was doing things the right way. Sure. Fast forward to 2020. Um, our whole house got, got COVID. And that, that was tough and, and definitely scary. Me and dad, I think, got it worse. Um, I mean, I, I'm talking about, I couldn't smell, I, I'd hold like candles up to my nose, burning my little nose hairs. I couldn't <laughs> smell anything. Um, that, that was tough. Um, but you know, I stayed working, put my head down, kept, you know, st- st- uh, at the time I was working for GoDaddy so I could work from home. And then I got a call, um, from one of my good friends saying that another of our friends committed suicide. Mm-hmm. And he did he did it in the same manner as our first friend, and that was I, I just couldn't handle it anymore. Sure, and it's a lot for anybody. It, yeah, it was it was really tough, and you know I felt that I didn't really have anyone to talk to about it because in in my mind, no one would really understand suicide is again from what I. This was my perception. Mm-hmm. Suicide was just never understood and was always like, why would someone do that? And then you had the whole, um, you know, church side. Of, yes. Oh, now they're going to hell and all this stuff. And and so I felt that I didn't really have anyone to talk to. Um, but my dad made the effort to, you know, look up different resources on suicide and try to understand what, what would motivate someone to do that. Um and, you know, how to help someone cope through that or someone that lost someone through that. And he sent me all these resources. He would talk to me. Um, 
I remember I had to get together with some of my friends to, you know, honor our, honor our friend that passed. And I come home and my dad's like, how was it? I was like, it was, you know, again, we had this routine. I'd go through the door. <laughs> how was it? It was good. And, you know, I'd walk by and continue on with my day. That day he grabbed me and, uh, Sorry. Take your time. I mean, I can edit all this out so it works. There's no, there's no pause. Um, Don't you dare. <laughs> but my uh, my dad grabbed me. He gave me a big hug, and um, I just started crying. Was he the type to be very affectionate physically with you? Yeah. He, so this wasn't unusual for him just to hug you anyway. No, no. But it no, was a different. Dad, yeah, he, my dad gave the best hugs. <laughs> I <laughs> bet. Um, yeah, so, no, my dad was really f affectionate. So it wasn't out of the norm, but it was out of the norm for that routine. It was a different hug. Yeah. Right? Um, and, you know, I just really appreciated him um, being so supportive. And... I mean, because the rest of, you know, my group, even even Ro, I mean, Ro became really good friends. I mean, we would double date with my friend James and, and um, his girlfriend at the time. And so she was even affected by it. So it was really hard to talk to them, sure. you know, on an everyday basis kind of thing about it because they were also grieving. Sure. And so I appreciated a lot that, you know, my dad took the time to... Again, especially given his beliefs, that that was the big thing for me. Sure, um, to try to talk to me about it and and I mean, make me feel better. Um, but then he passed away two weeks later, mm -hmm. and I I mean I thought we were all doing better. We I mean, you know, I could smell again, I could taste again. <laughs> I thought we were good. Sure, until my mom said, "Hey, have you seen your dad?" I said, no, um, you know, because we we're trying to isolate. I said, no. She's like, uh, go check on him because I'm, I'm really worried. I said, okay. So I go in the room, and my dad's skin tone is, like, getting to, like, a bluish color. Mm. And I was like, okay, we need to go to the hospital. And dad's like, no, 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 no. I was like, dad, we got to go to the hospital. And so I'm trying to lift him up. And I was like, Dad, let, you know, gotta get ready. He's like, okay, okay. And so, you know, he tries to put his pants on, then sits back down. I give him some time. I was like, all right, Dad, is, you know, it's been been a few minutes. Let's let's try again. He's like, all right, get him back up. And he's, again, he's a big guy. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know why people always thought he was my biological dad, because, guys, I'm like 5'6". With shoes yeah, on. Your heights are, are yeah. actually reversed. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. So like I, I I just, you know, I couldn't do it. I was like, Dad, I, I'm I'm gonna have to call, you know, the ambulance or we'll, we'll deal with all that. Because that was his stress. Sure. You know, the money side. I was like, we'll deal with all that later. Well, not to mention police don't necessarily like yeah. fire to come help. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> somebody else, not them. And so, you know, they come in. I remember them doing like an oxygen test. Like, oh, I think the machine's broken because we're not getting a read. Uh, no, it wasn't broken. It just, you know, his oxygen level was that low. And, you know, back then it was really tough because I don't know how it is now, but no one could go in the hospital. Right. Like nobody. Right. And so, and look, I know the hospital did their best. And I really appreciate the nurses 
because they, I mean, they took the time to FaceTime him. They'd like, you know, rub lotion on his feet and stuff like that, chapstick, like just take, like take care of him. Sure. They even let us bring like his favorite blanket, you know, pictures of us. And they, yeah, they would face, they'd let us FaceTime with him. And that was like such a big thing. And like, just, just huge shout out to the nurses. Yes. Because they dealt with a lot. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I always remember the call from the hospital because we had some good news. I mean, yeah, they, it, was, it was a roller coaster to say the least. It was up and down. Yeah. It was like, oh, his kidneys are failing. Remember, he had the kidney transplant. His brother, you know, is the one that actually gave him the kidney. Yeah. And so we're like, great. You know, he, his, the kidney's failing. They're like, oh, hey, today's a better day. Kidney's doing good. We just got to get his oxygen levels good to get him off the ventilator. Right. Great. And then it's like we had the highest day the, before the before the pitfall. Sure. It's in 24 hours. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, we, we went from like, hey, he may be, we might be able to take him off the ventilator in a few hours. Sure. To, we, you know, he's not going to make it. You guys need to get down here. And so we rushed down there. Uh, I, and actually, I, I didn't take the call. All I heard was that we needed to get down there. So we go down there. Um. And, you know, essentially they, they told us that there was nothing they could do. They basically gave us three options and I, they were all shit. <laughs> it was, it was basically like, Hey, we, we can try to keep him in like, uh, basically in a, in a, in a medically induced coma. Thank you. Yeah. In a coma, um, and see if he's able, you know, keep him on the machine, but it's, you know, we don't see him coming out of it. Option two, we take him off the machine and see how he responds option three is take him off the machine see how he responds if he doesn't respond well then we can try to resuscitate him i was like okay so there's like those are my options yeah like there's nothing you can do like nothing did your dad have any dnrs living wills anything i no no okay all right no and 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 it was funny because um because Joel calls me and goes, hey, this is what's going on. And uh, and I said, okay. I said, what are you guys doing? He says, we're heading to the hospital. I said, all right, I'll meet you guys there. And he told me what the options are. And, and Joel was put in a hard spot. And it's a spot that, you know, a lot of parents' kids have to make, mm-hmm. but not this early in their life. Right. And even though Joel's mom was there and everything else, he's kind of making those decisions too. Sure. Um, and in a position that no kid his age should have to deal with in the first place. Yep. Right. Yeah, I never yeah. understood how much this whole thing affected me until I brought it up to uh, Natalie later. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I I mean, I basically made the choice to take the life support, you know, turn it off. Yeah, from Superman. And, and we had to talk about that when it all happened because, again, you know, uh, my wife and I went down, um, all the families there. Any family that's had to deal with this COVID and the loss of, of a family member during COVID is mm-hmm. absolutely terrible. I mean, we were FaceTiming with the staff inside the hospital. We were all huddled around the uh, the the chair or the, the where the valet is. Oh, right, right. So we're yeah. all huddled and we're all sitting on this bench where the valet is. We're waiting for his sister Kim to come in. She came from from uh, Nevada. She they they got the call. They called her. She was hauling from Nevada to get to Chandler. 
Wow. So the whole family could say goodbye. And mind you, he's got what three sisters, a brother. Oh, his yeah. dad was there. Um, Joel and and uh, nieces, nephews. <clears throat> Joel and his mom had the opportunity where they were able to go up up there. Um, but we were FaceTiming, and I'm watching this entire family say goodbye to Tyler. Right. Wow! Just after after he's made had to make this decision, but ultimately. There was nothing that could have been done. Yeah. And the decision process was just really tough because you have family that's trying to give their two cents on what should happen and give their whole, you know, Bible speeches. And I'm like, I don't. (laughs) Yeah. Leave me alone. Yeah. The last thing I want (laughs) to hear. Leave me alone. And then I have the hospital that keeps calling because and I understand. But the hospital keeps calling. Hey, did you guys make a decision yet? You know, they call multiple times. Then I get a call from, um, I don't think it was the chief, maybe the assistant chief. I, I don't know. I get a call from someone. They're like, um, hey, want to see, you know, how, how uh, your dad's doing? I was like, uh, well, he's, he didn't make it. They're like, what do you mean? I was like, well, we just, uh, um, you know, decided to take, uh, take the life support off or take him off the ventilator. He's not going to make it. They're like. But we just got news yesterday that everything's doing good. I lost my shit. I bet you did. Don't question like, me at this moment. <laughs> yeah, I just made the fucking decision, yeah. and you're, you want to you want an outline of how everything happened right right, right now. Yeah, and so I was really upset. Um, but anyways, you're just bombarded, and then you know you got to organize everything. You got to get everyone down there, and so just the amount of calls plus the decision, and then we go up. And that was a big thing because I almost got kicked out of the hospital a few times. Um, I almost got kicked out of the hospital a few times because I tried going up to see him. Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't let me up and I made a big fuss out of it. I bet. Um, so now they're letting both me and my mom go up there when they previously said we couldn't. So now we're both up there. They got my dad in this bubble glass room. Um, Somebody doesn't know how to work their phone, but that's okay. <laughs> I hate iPhones. It's one switch, Tom. Do you see the size of my finger? Oh, I thought that was the middle finger that just went up. I thought it was a thumb. You try to stick this big giant pickle inside this itty bitty little spot. Oh my God, your fingers look like a medical disorder. <laughs> but if we go up. My dad's in this bubble room, uh, and now they're like. Okay, only one of you can go oh, inside. Geez. You got to wear this basically hazmat suit, and only one of you guys can go inside. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I made it this far, and now I can't, you know, hug him, touch right. him one last time, talk sure. to him. Sure. But, you know, I had I had to give that to my mom. Like, yeah. there, my mom's like, you go in. I was like, absolutely not. Right. You need to go in. Sure. And so, you know. My mom puts on the suit. I'm on the outside, and we're basically FaceTiming this whole thing so everyone can, you know, see and get their last words in and and all that. But, yeah, take them off the the ventilator, and it's like heart rate's doing okay. Mm-hmm. Almost raises at one point, and we're like, okay, maybe a miracle, right? Because all this Bible talk that I've been hearing this whole day, maybe we're going to, I don't know. Um, and then... You know, it just drops and, you know, he passes and it was just, it was extremely difficult. But, the, you know, the nurses were really, I mean, really, really kind. I mean, even afterwards when we went back out to essentially a waiting room, you know, the the primary nurse that's been taking care of dad majority of the time, she comes out and just, you know, 
hugs us and is just with us for uh, quite a while, yeah, actually. Sure. We stayed up there for quite a while. Um, and she's just telling us, she's like, man, I, I was really hoping that he would make it. She's like, out of all the COVID cases we've had, only one person has come out of this. Wow. And that was, you know, again, that was at that time. Sure. There's obviously other other things that they're doing now to kind of help, but... And 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 what's what sucks too is just the timing of everything. I mean, I think two weeks later, or whatever it is, maybe a month later, the vaccine comes out. Right. You know, for for first responders and all that, and you know, maybe that would help. I I don't know. Um, it just you yeah, what it, if at all? Yeah, exactly. What if? Sure. Um, so that that was just extremely difficult. But I mean, going back, I don't want to necessarily take focus off my dad, but like going back to me. I was unable to go back to that coping of head down, go to work. Mm -hmm. Because every time I go to work lately, I receive some sort of horrific news and I'm just not, you know, I can't focus. Do you think that was your coping oh, mechanism because of your dad? Mm, because um, he was so quiet about work that you found other outlets rather than talking? Maybe. I think, I think just, him and my grandpa, I mean, I've always associated, I've always looked up to them and like, I've always associated like hard work with them, hard work, integrity. That, that was like, that's who they are. Sure. And so, yeah, you know, I, I looked up to them. I wanted to be like them. And so it was always like, I'm just going to do my job, put this extra energy to get me through the day and just work, 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 work. Sure. Um, and now looking back, I'm like, man, I, probably lost a lot of time that I could have spent with friends that passed, family, um, but I was at work. Mm -hmm. And I made that my priority. And this one coping mechanism that got me through majority of my life now isn't working okay. anymore. Uh, yeah, that's what's that's when you know your garbage can is full. <laughs> uh, you know, things that, you know, used to bring me joy. And I liked, I liked going to work. Um, but yeah, that you know, had a different meaning. Yeah. Takes a di whole different meaning. Yeah. So, you know, that, that was really big and I went down a, a really dark path and I mean, there's, there's, uh, I mean, there's things that no one really knows, but uh, my birthday's in February. So dad passed in January and I remember my mom's like, you know, w let's do a celebration for your birthday. Let's, you know, try to get you know, because I was just in the house. Mm -hmm. And she's like, let's get out. I was like, you know what? I really want to go to Puerto Rico. I want to see all my family that I haven't been able to see because I've always had to work. Sure. And so we flew out there and, uh, you know, they they were awesome. Did this uh, little birthday celebration for me. And it was really nice and relaxing to stay out there. Um, came back and uh, the uh, big baseball fan. Um, because he's got this great last name. <laughs> yeah, right. Goes with the last name. So I'm a Dodgers fan. Dodgers won the World Series in 2020. And when my friend James was alive, he he made the comment of, "Hey, uh, what would you what would you be willing to give for the Dodgers win a World Series?" I was like, "Bro, I would do anything." <laughs> so he's like, "He's all, all right. If the Dodgers win the World Series, let's dye our hair platinum blonde." <laughs> I was like, all right, they've never won while I've been alive. So I was like, screw it, let's do it. Well, they went on this tear and they end up winning. 
And fast forward, when I come back from Puerto Rico, my friends are like, man, I'm so sorry for, you know, obviously you lost James. Like, you guys lost James. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sorry that we're all going through this. They're like, I'm sorry about your dad, too. I was like, thanks. I appreciate it. Like, but. um, yeah, hey, real quick, though. Do you remember this bet that you made <laughs> with James? Sit down. <laughs> so it's funny. You know, somewhat funny, but I had to dye my hair. But Do we know, have pictures? We do actually oh, at the because because I actually had it died for you know for the funeral and all that so <laughs> let's let's put that on the on the podcast stuff yeah. okay yeah so anyways I got pictures at the funeral and that was something else I was thinking through I was like fucking James I have my hair <laughs> platinum blonde at my dad's funeral I'm in Puerto Rico with platinum blonde hair uh, but you, you know, know what the difference is though. I guarantee your dad was laughing. Yeah, I was going to say, there had to be entertainment there. (laughs) I was like, now we're both blonde. (laughs) (laughs) I don't necessarily understand the correlation of they win the World Series, I have to dye my hair platinum. I I don't understand that, but it's it's a man thing, apparently. And it came to, uh, yeah, there's a little more to it. The the Puerto Rico national team, when they went on their run, they all dyed their hair blonde. Okay. And so my friend James thought it would be funny if we both did it, but for the Dodgers. Um, I don't see the humor in it. I'll never look that burn. <laughs> I'll never do it again, but I did it for James, but it's so funny. Cause he had in the funeral pictures and all in Puerto Rico pictures, I have platinum, platinum blonde hair. Did we but, have the beard? Did we dye that too? I didn't dye the beard. No, I wasn't oh going to do that. <laughs> um, so no, you got this nice, like light, dark thing going on. Uh, but, uh, but I mean that. Look, all that stuff was good, but then at some point you go back to reality. Yes. And the rest it, is distractions. It was it was really tough, Susan. And I remember I, I, I was in a really dark place. And I I, I wanna say this for just anyone else that's listening, because I was really inspired by, you know, Chris's story and just some of the other stories that i've heard i've heard from other officers that have been so open with this and so i want to put out there too for for families but i was in a really dark spot where you know it started off with thoughts of maybe reckless driving or just road rage and it's not like i didn't think let me get in a car accident on purpose right but it was more of if it happens it happens yeah and yep. I don't care. I mean, I remember mm-hmm. being in Puerto Rico and we're going cliff jumping and we're like, I don't know how deep that is. I was like, I'll find out. Yep. Like just little things like that. High risk and, um And then, you know, I started getting, because I, I, I didn't seek help and it got to a point where I, I know how James passed and there was, you know, I, we got details on that. And I remember one time I put a belt around my neck, mm-hmm. put it on the... um this is the first time I've said this. Mm-hmm. Um, I put a, a belt around my neck, put it on the door, close the door, and you just start kneeling. And I mean, it works pretty quick. And I just remember, so James left a uh, uh, a note, and essentially he had a list. Said, you know, basically reasons to do it and reasons not to do it, or reasons keep living. And he put baseball, Dodgers, platinum blonde hair. I was gonna say, (laughs) but on the on the next page, it was all of us. It was all our all our friends listed. And um, 
I remember he said on one page, break the cycle, because this was the same way that our first friend passed, James passed, and he put break the cycle. And that was probably the first time that I was angry at James. Because it was like, how like how dare you? Right. Like, and it was only in that moment, because I've never been angry at James for his decision or anything like that, but it was like, how dare you say that to me? You know, that's how I took it. Sure. And and then, you know, I I I, I start thinking about dad. And what stopped, what really got me out of it was I, I ended up getting like a, a call. I, don't, I think it was Ro that was calling me. But I ended up getting a phone call and that made me stand up. Mm-hmm. And um, I just remember telling my mom, I was like, mom, I'm, I'm in a really dark place. Did she realize it? No. Okay. No, not really. I, I, I mean... Yeah, I think she. she I think she knew, and all of that. but I don't think to the extent. And I, I think that it was more of this would never happen because we're strong and all that. Sure, it's it's that it's that thought process of we're stronger than this, we can get through this, so that's not going to happen. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I think. I don't, I don't know if it was Tom that brought you up, Susan, or it if was, it, yeah, it was. And so then my mom's like, go talk to, go talk to the Susan girl and <laughs> whoever like, she is. Yeah. I was like, all right. I was like, I don't know. And she's like, well, I, uh, I made the meeting for you. I was like, oh, okay. And I, I mean, I don't even, this was the first time that I think Susan's heard this whole story. I think I just said, I remember coming in, we're talking, and you did most of the talking at first. I was like, oh, this is easy. I'm doing, I'm, <laughs> that's I'm why doing I really do good at this. That's why I do it. She suckers you into yeah. the next <laughs> meeting. <right? laughs> exactly. That's how it went. <laughs> Dang, y'all gave up my trick. <laughs> but yeah, she, you know, at one point, I don't even remember if it was the first meeting. It could have been the second one. But I, I remember at one point, I was just like, Susan, I'm just in a really dark place. And she's like, well, you know, has suicide come, you know, been, been a thought. And I just broke down mm-hmm. and cause I couldn't say that I had put that belt around my neck. You know, I, I went back to the, you know, break the chain and break, you know, just break, don't, don't follow, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, my other two friends footsteps, I think about dad and I, I couldn't get myself to say that, but from there, that's what started the healing. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it's almost like I, I don't know if I needed to say that, but it, you know, we were able to talk about so much and, and I've realized that everything in life just filled up, up, filled up my garbage can. And I knew you had at least had the thought and it really doesn't matter if you've had the thought or you've actually done something beyond that. Um, Because I remember us also talking about that's okay. Yeah. That, that, you know what, why wouldn't you? Have had those thoughts given yeah. everything that happened right. to that, you. That was my biggest thing because I felt like an outlier. Yes. I felt like, what is wrong with me? Like no one should like, I've I've never really behaved like this in the past. What is wrong with me? Like, some like I'm messed up. Something like I'm broken. And so hearing that was big, and then hearing that this happens mm-hmm. was really because I in that stage you're like no this is this is just, just an outlier this is just right. me yeah. like no one no one thinks like this and so that was that was really big um and that that was yeah, man i didn't know what i was going to do 
in life and I mean Susan helped me out a lot and that that was you know a big reason why I wanted to basically give back any way that I can Plus, he realized how, yeah. how ignorant Tom and I were to yeah. the things that he knows everything yeah. about. I was like, they need me. Yes. <laughs> Without a doubt. No doubt. But, you know, that, I, I guess what I want to say is I want everyone to understand, like, officers definitely have a psychological garbage can that probably fills up faster than most. Mm -hmm. And so, make, again, goes back to make sure you have a way to empty it. Yes. A healthy way to yes. empty it. But also realize that there's probably you may be you may be filling up your family's psychological garbage can yes. when you're not giving specific details because, mm -hmm. like you stated, they're they're going to think about stuff. They're going to wonder about things. Did I right. do something? Families right. become very narcissistic. Is this because of something I've done or not done or said or not said? Especially kids. Yeah. It it gets difficult. Yeah, I mean, I I used to think all the time because. We would get like questions like just at the doctor's office. They'd be like, oh, only family can go back. I'm his dad. You're but the last I'm his dad. And so that was something I always appreciated about my dad. It was never I'm his stepdad. I'm, it was always like, this is my son. I'm his dad. Yeah. And, and I repeated I would repeat the same thing. And I and every time he'd say that's my son, I felt so proud. Sure. Yeah, I, I loved that. Sure. Um, But still, when we'd go to the doctors, we'd, you know, we'd get. Um, you know those kind of questions, and that probably was, school too. Yeah, yeah, school uh, and basically everywhere. Sure. Um, I don't remember where I was going with this. Uh, you totally derailed. Well, fam <laughs> families need information. Thanks, Tom. Right. Families thanks, need thanks information because garbage cans can fill up of the family members. Um, because <laughs> go ahead and slap him. It's okay. <laughs> we need a red man sticking this office. Too. Just remember, you can. Edit I, I promise, I was going somewhere with this. I yeah. promise. Well, you started with that. Families need to talk because you need details that can fill up your garbage cans. Yeah, and that is very important. So a lot of lot of factors. I wish, yeah. If, if y'all aren't watching this, you should see the looks these guys are shooting <laughs> at each other. It's, I'm not sure if we need to separate them after this or what. But, um, and you know, I, I hope the audience out there listening understands that this is not an easy topic. No. You know, this is one of the reasons we call this podcast "Fight in Progress." You know, I, I think sometimes people think it's just the law enforcement and the public or, you know, military and whatever it is. But um, there's there's issues within families because of this lifestyle. Right. And we have to begin to identify. We can't keep doing the same things the same way because we've learned it doesn't work. How many years, how many decades do we have to have? And academies are still, I've said this a million times, it pisses me off. Every time I hear somebody in an academy try to teach new recruits, keep personal and professional separate. Yeah, which is stupid. You, you, you it, can't do it. It's totally impossible. Right. And you create issues. We see it on the couch here all the time. A wife will say, he doesn't talk to me. Why don't you talk to her? Because they told me not to. And you go, okay, cut the crap out. All right. I remember now. It, see, see, it, it, I was it, it did go with something. So, yeah. So my thought process was, or I would always wonder, like, does dad know how much of a factor he played in my life? Like, does he know how much he really means to me? Because of the whole last name thing, Tom, that's where I was going with it. But because he technically is my stepdad and we're almost reminded on every 
whatever. Even now. Yeah. yeah even, <laughs> even now we're reminded that, you know, he, we weren't blood related or whatever. And so I always wanted, I always wondered like, does he really understand how much, you know, so, so you go like, I'd always try to like every Christmas card or, or whatever. I'd, I'd try to make it a point. Like you're my dad. I love you. Thank you. We need to tell people more often. Well, I can tell you firsthand. I, I know he knows that. Oh, no doubt. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this was one of the because, things. I'm sorry. Susan, no, go ahead. Because I'd hear him talk about you. Sure. And it's not like a stepdad would talk about somebody. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a man talking about his son. Right. And and those are the conversations that we had. So I know for a fact. Of course he did. He knows how important you were to him and vice versa. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things we learned from Dave Glasser's death at Phoenix, uh, Dave was a big guy, too. And one of the things he was known for doing was kind of upsetting his teams when he first be the new one, because he would tell them at the end of every roll call, briefing, whatever, um, love you. And it became kind of his motto. And one of the things his team started, and that was the whole thing, was the love you campaign, that they would tell each other before they'd go mm -hmm. out and hit the road. And, you know, you, you begin to see the impact of that. And we've tried to spread that word at departments around the country. I know Baton Rouge PD was doing it because you don't want to be in those positions. But we all do. I question every day to Chris Farrar know just what he meant to me. You know, somewhere in my heart, I know he did. Yeah. But you just start to question, did I tell him enough? Exactly. Did I show it enough? Right. Um, but the way we picked on each other is how we knew it. And the practical <laughs> jokes he played on me is how I knew he loved me. Uh, you don't necessarily have to play jokes, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. um, but that's a, that's a natural part of loss. Yeah. I mean, I know that he loved me because I probably would have been in cuffs for pooping on people's cars. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, imagine that. It's like, where are you in here for? It's like, you know what? Yeah, Let's not talk about me. <laughs> you don't want to know. <laughs> but I think he knew you. He had to know you loved him for him to put you in the place that he did mm. in all of that. You know, it was yeah. very much a mutual, a mutual thing. But we all question those things. Every one of us. I bet Tom has questioned did Tyler really know what he meant to me after his death? I don't. Really? I don't. Yeah, that's very unusual. Uh, you only always... had one friend, Susan. Well, that's true. Too. You're right. <laughs> no. I forgot. They were wives. You're right. Sorry. Disregard. Anybody that I'm close to, um, I've always I've always joked about this, but I think it's it's honestly very serious, is if I'm not giving you a hard time, mm -hmm. that means I don't like you. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's just, and that's typical, especially in, in our LE family. Absolutely. That if you're not giving somebody a hard time, I don't think he likes you. Exactly. Give you a hard time. Yeah. Yeah. Well. He likes you. you He's know, only doing that because. And, and exactly. And, that's and, true. And I know that, that we meant the same to one another. And the only reason I could say that is, is because we trusted each other, mm -hmm. not just with the job, but we trusted each other with our personal Families feelings, issues, you know, so we knew that. Mm -hmm. um, that's why I, it was so important for me to be part of, of um, the Brit families uh, dealing with his loss and everything else is sure. because I was doing it for him sure. because mm -hmm. I know he'd be doing the exact same thing right. for me. Sure. And not only to make sure it was as good as it could be mm -hmm. considering the circumstances, because mind you, we're having, you know, we know about law enforcement funerals. They are huge. They are, you know, <laughs> they are emotional. It, it, yeah. it, it, but this one wasn't, it was outside of our norm. 
Right. It was in a COVID bubble where officers had to be lined across oh, that's right. on that's Chandler right. Heights and couldn't even enter the cemetery right. because of COVID restrictions. And we're all, you know, spaced apart. And, yep. and uh, you know, it's funny because uh, the, the department live streamed his, his funeral and we had all these COVID. And that's one of the reasons why we started the live stream uh, for these funerals. We did the same thing for, I believe, uh, for our Ann Wilkins. And, and... I, we got done with the service. Um, they did the presentation. They ended everything, and, and they kept the live stream going. And all you see is me walking across, my wife walking up, and I just lose it. Mm -hmm. It's like that. Just I was done. Sure. I'd been holding on to everything, being strong for everybody else. Well, there was so much to do. I had to make sure that everything was yeah. as good as it could be. Yes. I had to be here for Joel. You're in for, work mode for his mother and and for yeah. his family and his parents and. And, you know, I, I was doing all this and that was right. Okay, I'm done. And right. and I didn't realize how much everything affected me mm -hmm. until I happened to catch the end of that, of that <laughs> live stream. I was like, oh, hey, there's me. Oh, hey, there's a blubbering idiot. Right <laughs> and you just see me just unload sure. and I just lost it. Sure. Um, because, yeah, I mean, I was a little emotional the night that he passed, but okay, well, now I've gone into work. You have a job to do. Um, I'm, I'm trying to be here for the family. Right. I'm notifying my people uh, on the PD side, hey, just so you know, this is what's happening. And now I'm orchestrating, trying to get officers. Yeah. And, and you've got to be a rock for everybody. And the arrangements yeah. and everything set up so he can be honored and brought out. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, and and then he was still treated like a, a law enforcement death because his exposure was connected to Absolutely. Uh, to, to his work. contacts with yeah. work. I mean, they went through the timeline. They went through uh, his calls for service because that was one of the questions they're asking. Do you have any COVID in your house? Well, yes. Anybody positive right now? Yes. Well, there was a history of that. Um, the departments had to start to prove is, hey, they did have that contact. But we treated it as a law enforcement. So I had to jump into that mode. Mm -hmm. um, it was at that time that I really just, it switched. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and, I needed to unload what I had on my shoulders and, right. and my wife was there luckily to participate as well and, and allow me the opportunity. Just everybody who's viewing it would have the opportunity to see it too. Sure. It shows that we're human, that we're normal. Exactly. Um, well, we, I think you brought to light too that, you know, and Police Week did this also, that I really hadn't even thought about it, but the distinction even between Chris Farrar's death and COVID deaths. And even in the trainings that, that cops did, and my hat's off to them at Police Week, that they probably, I guess, for the first time had to do some type of training for families in, that was very different than the one who's murdered in the line of duty versus the one who dies from, because, you know, I'm sure they'd had heart attacks and stuff in the past that were deemed line of duty, but we had 619 names that went on the wall, and you yeah. bet the majority of those were COVID deaths. Yeah, I police week in that aspect's a little bit of a, 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 a sore subject with me. Mm -hmm. um, just in the fact that yes, there was that segregation between line of duty deaths versus a death that happened because of the duty they did. Right, and there was a separation on how those people were treated, and I saw it, and I and and I had a problem with it because I don't care. Right. The only difference is you blamed one because of a, a of a virus. Um, the other one you have a phase two that caused that other right. officer's death. But that's the big difference for the families. Understandably so, but the loss isn't any different. I agree. 100%. Right. 
and, and I think that's tough. something. I think that's something that a lot of people have, have forgotten about um, when you look at the two groups. Um, because yes, anybody who contracted COVID and died as a result of it could have been from anything. Mm -hmm. Um, but we didn't have a choice to work from right. home. We didn't right. have a Absolutely. choice to yeah. do all these things. We had to be. We present. still had to be present, serving the community and doing the best job yeah. that we could for the community. And we didn't have that opportunity not to go. Right. So, um, matter of fact, yeah. you knew that. I mean, I mean, even with Chris's, we could throw it back to Chris. Technically, shouldn't have even been on that night. He wasn't right. working that night. But what? Right. Staffing was low. He came in. He pulled an extra shift, and yeah. it what happened. happened. Yeah. So we, we can't control the circumstances in which these officers lost their lives. There just shouldn't be a, a, any difference in the distinction that they still served and as a result of their service lost right. um, their life. 100%. Yeah. And, but the difference for the families that I see in dealing with them is, again, the Farrar family and myself, we have someone to be angry at. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And that is lacking at some level on those like... Tyler's yes. family, Jeremy Wilkins' family, they see their situation as different. Nope, nobody's planted that. They see their situation as different because now all they have to be angry at is a department who says you're essential, even though they understand that. But there isn't a place to, to put it. Yes. And so that, to me, is why that training was so important that they were doing that at COPS. I'm with you. It's 100%. But I feel that way about a lot of the suicides also. Right. Those are line of duty deaths, yep. and we aren't treating them like, uh, you know, they're they're outcasts. And I think that's disgraceful. Legislation's actually looking to change. Well, we are, um, we, and we are there just 100%. Because, and, and, and just so you know, I'm, uh, I'm in contact with BJA, who handles a lot of the police uh, public safety officer benefits mm -hmm. as line of duty deaths. And evidently there's legislation they're trying to put through that, that identifies PTSD related from a, a uh, law enforcement event as something that would then be recognized in a benefit section. So they are working to do yeah, that, whether yeah. it passes or not, who knows. Right. But well, I know that it's something that people have identified and hopefully will will follow through with. Well, and I wish they would talk to us because we really are the ones who the, they come in and tell us they're suicidal where they aren't telling the licensed world unless they're ready to give up their careers. Right. And that's where we get really frustrated. But again, I'm with you 100%. The benefit should be 100% the same for COVID death, murdered, whatever, because again, it is all part of the lifestyle. Mm -hmm. But I know the, the struggles that the families have had in the distinctions, and they are even a, a little bit kind of on the fence with it. And that we have to remove and make sure they understand. This was a sacrifice. Y'all make sacrifices every day. One of the things we do at the end of the show every week, we thank the families, we thank the officers, we thank the firefighters, the military, everybody, because the sacrifices that are made are greater than any other profession in this, in the, in this country, this world, which is why we do what we do at Under the Shield. We don't deal with doctors, lawyers, accountants, and garbage men. Those people don't live lifestyles. Y'all yeah. do. Yeah, going back to sacrifices, I mean, a lot of the calls, you, you probably know that, you know, there's COVID in the house or whatever. And you still show, I mean, I remember calling in to, you know, for the ambulance, right? So, you know, the first responders that came, you know, fire, EMS and all that. I mean, they knew that this was COVID. Sure. They still show up, right. sure. you know, like, sure. like the, the sacrifices is, is crazy. I remember, but yeah, it, it is different for a family because I mean, I know me, I, 
I, I wanted something to blame. I was like, how? I, I wanted to blame dad. I was like, why are you going into those houses? <laughs> right? Yep. So, it, I mean, it, it's the, I don't but know. But you understood once, that once to be part, your dad, too. Yes. And once it's the nature of the beast. He wasn't going to not go in. But then, but even more so, though, Susan, is like once being around like everyone else and then hearing Dave Grossman and the sheepdogs, and you, you really understand more, which is why I go back to like families need to be exposed to and maybe not even all the stories, right? I, I understand like if there's some things that are, are hard for you to deal with that you may not want to expose the families to it. But like just like even like the Dave Grossman speak, uh, uh, speeches or the book like those are good resources for family the yes. trainings that we do are good re like i wish that we had that because it, it would it, it helps bridge the gap sure mm -hmm. you get a level of understanding about who your first responder loved one is yes because again they can be different at home than yes. what they you know because you don't you don't see that right. sure and so you don't always understand the mindset sure like yes i understood that my dad cared about us mm -hmm. i still it can be hard for me to understand why he cares about some strangers to go into mm -hmm. a house with COVID or, or go into a house where there's a guy with a gun. Like, but again, like these trainings help bridge that gap and helps you un understand the mentality. Yep. And we have to do more of it and not just training the law enforcement side, right. like the first responder side. And, and again, like, and we always say at the end of the episode, you know, for, you know, give out the number if anyone needs help. But like we're here for families. Like yes. that's that's the biggest thing that sets us apart from any anyone else, regardless, regardless of what they say. Right. That's what sets us apart is like we really like we're here for families. Yes. And, you know, if there are HR people out there listening, y'all need to pay close attention because this training we just did down in Douglas, they were not told spouses could come. Right. And we were very specific in our in our outlines, in everything that's advertised that we call them partners in crime because it's the truth. Um, but we were asking people because not a single spouse came to that training. The training before that in Morana, we had two. 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 Yes. And um, so it, it's important for HR to understand law enforcement and fire are not going to assume their spouses are included in this training because that's so rare. Right. Because normally it's not done that way. No. And so they need to be putting out that families need to come. Adult kids come. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's probably not appropriate to teenagers and, you know, 18 and up maybe, but um, get these families in there. Yeah. And HR is the one who's handing out these training notices and they're not telling them specifically. Right. And it's important. Parents, I think parents need to come. Uh, I think it's important, especially if the first responder is single. Yeah. Get parents right. in there to understand. And it's like just little things that help click, right? Like I <laughs> talk about Dave Grossman, like light bulbs went off. You know, he talked about essentially like always being prepared because if, if you're not, you know, that's when something can happen, right? <laughs> but like we'd always give my dad shit about like carrying his gun, for example. I was like, Dad... Dad, you don't need your gun. They, it says no guns. Don't bring your gun. And he's like, 
just in case. And I'd always be like, Dad, it's Chuck E. Cheese. It's a birthday party. Like, <laughs> like what's going to happen, right? You, uh, you need to read know. about Chuck E. Cheese around the country. <laughs> you were at high risk. <laughs> yeah, they got a salad bar now, so it's not as bad. <laughs> yeah. I've never been to Chuck E. Cheese's in the South. <laughs> yeah. They got shut down for they, a reason. They got it's, It was the biscuits and gravy. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, like, right. but that way he talks about, like, that's part of the mentality. I always thought that was just the Boy Scout and him always be prepared right but it it kind of goes back to just what grossman talks about he kind of took mentality. that to, he kind of took that to another level just so you know that oh well no, I know. We, we've got other stories with that probably you know just the stuff that we found after the passing <laughs> those are actually that, that's some humor stuff that we should share that Uh-oh. So, so to line up the mood a bit so after after dad passed we're going through all, all the stuff and i mean we open up the car alone and there's like ammo crates. <laughs> you can never have too much ammo. Oh, there wasn't ammo in the ammo crates. Oh. It was pictures of me, pictures of mom. Just like <laughs> things that there was there was no sense to all this stuff. We found a you know to go bag. Uh-huh. And that had, you know, necessary stuff. Sure. But then there was a second one and it was just like my stuffed animals from when I was a kid, my baby blanket. <laughs> My Pokemon cards. I was like, first off, Dad, why do you have my Pokemon right. cards? Stealing your Pokemon cards. <laughs> but like, just like things that like didn't make sense. I remember when we opened it up, I was like, dang, what, what is this? I have like this contraption in my hand and Tom's like, oh, check this out. And and transforms into like a grenade launcher. <laughs> what happened to that? I've always wanted one. It, 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 well, because I originally had gone, uh, I was over at the house and, and they're like, hey, we're going to go through dad's stuff. Can you help us, you know, decide what's, what's needs to go back to the department? What, you know, and we start going through bags and I'm like, what in the hell? <laughs> I mean, he had one backpack that was set up for, it had ponchos, tents. I mean, normal camping gear I could get, but like this thing had everything. If you had a Swiss Army backpack, that's what this was. It, it was a shovel that was also a, 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 a bowl with yeah, a spoon. It, 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 it was just to the extreme. and and. And uh, and, goods, and, we're going through kind of stuff. and Joelle and I are just looking at each other, just shaking our heads like, what in the hell? It was like space food, like add water and you have a, a oh, steak. Yeah. MREs. Yeah. 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 And, and Tyler Absolutely. had his own closet, which I didn't know about until I got there. Like, oh, we, we got to go through dad's closet. I'm like, dad's closet? <laughs> but, well, yeah, he's got his own closet. We don't go into that closet. That's just dad's closet. Holding <laughs> like, out on his work life. Uh-huh. And I'm like, okay. So they're like, well, we'll go start going through it. I'm like. Why me? Yeah, yeah. Because we're not allowed, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't so, say you couldn't. So there's there's a ton of books. I'm like, okay, well that makes sense because he do he read a lot of books, and then and then we start going and I find the the cases of rations and stuff in case the apocalypse comes. You and, never know. And, and I start laughing and and I'm going. I found the Mormon closet because it had, it had everything, and and, uh, and and we're going through it and 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 just pulling out stuff. I'm like, what is this for? And and why does he even have the? Why do we have a slingshot when we have a gun? <laughs> when you run out of ammo, That's right. rocks and, are readily and, and, available. And I mean, you know, with some people we work with, we know fears. Okay, we we're going to find his porn stash, and his family's going to be sitting right here. I didn't have to worry about that with Tyler. Right. I knew that. 
but I, I couldn't believe just the stuff that he had and drove. I'm like, <laughs> why does he even have all this stuff? Like random oils for like, you know, the Mormon blessings and whatnot. But then we open up one and there was a hundred dollar bill neatly like rolled up. He into had like it. money stashed in spots in his little bags. And <laughs> hey. I'm like, okay. All right. And it's the back of his truck was the exact same way. <laughs> and what's funny is we recently replaced like pipes uh in the house and like I helped him like uh put the um the board up. And so now when I every time I it's in the garage, so every time I park my car, I'm like wonder what's I wonder there. yeah. Yeah, I wonder what he put in that box. Yeah, I just know that if I break that wall now I gotta you know. Yeah, they gotta that, fix it but... and but and here's the moral of that story. Maybe before you move. <laughs> uh, always have somebody that knows about all this stuff who yes. can go in after something happens to you. Because Chris Farrar had very strict instructions because <laughs> it was always planned I would go first and he'd do my eulogy. But go in and find my journals and my, my letter writing notebooks and burn those babies before <laughs> anybody else sees that, them. That's actually a good point. So the um, the funeral home. Those people, they have like a little booklet that they can give families. And essentially it's like, hey, you know, what's your social media logins? What's, you know, this? Where where do you have keys for this or yes. that? Or what, even down to like what music would you like to play? What kind of, you know, yep. environment would you like, at, you know, for your services? But like it has everything for families to prepare. Yep. No one thinks about that stuff. And right. I'm sure people listening to this is like, oh, I don't need that. Trust oh. me. It was such a... I was I was about to have to edit myself later. It was such a stress <laughs> yep. to like try to figure everything out because yeah. again, my dad was so reserved. And, sure, yeah. sure. You're not prepared for that, and you know, it was, after Chris died, I did. I sat down and I put all of that in a notebook, gave it to my son, took him to the bank, got him on all my accounts. Still got to do the the DNRs and those things, but. Now I guess I have to pass on to Tom. You get to go in and get all my letters and my my notebooks and and no, you don't read oh, them. Oh no, I would. I don't want to read them. <laughs> They'll probably read on this damn podcast. Let's read today about Susan's life. Um, but they get burned. That would be awesome. <laughs> it, it, I'm I'm sure there it would be quite a story. The, the podcast ratings would really go. Y'all are gonna find out. You thought I had personalities and multiples. Uh, you're gonna find out just how. Many any personalities I had. This guy came in with these motor boots. <laughs> How do I get rid of this guy? <laughs> but but no, and honestly, I think it's good for families to, you know, have that for, for your loved ones because it is such a headache. But well, none of us are getting out of here alive, gang. So it's yeah, gotta be yeah. done. It's not pleasant, but you got it's gotta be done. So let's do it. Save families. That was that's always been my biggest fear. I don't want my child to have to go through all of that. Let me take that off his plate mm -hmm. and, and be able to, he knows what mom wants. It's laid out. It's easy. And you do it and right. you have access. Luckily we did find like a random USB. I don't even remember where, because <laughs> again, nothing made sense. Like <laughs> I was opening random containers and like, Oh, here's a USB drive. <laughs> so I, I plugged a random USB drive that I found and it had like letters and notes and just, random stuff but sure. it's like i can hear my dad's voice so that it was that's, and that's, that's good nice. yes that's uh, a lot more healing than people think chris right. oh, yeah. chris's podcast does a lot for me it comforts me mm -hmm. i didn't think it would but it does and, and for the record because i know it's also tough for officers like you guys don't know what to say to the families right yes i know for me my favorite part was just 
hearing stories. And it could be the lamest call. It could just be like, oh, yeah, we were just on this call together. We said, hi, what's up? And that was it. Like, just that alone, like, is, I don't know, it brings me joy. Yes, absolutely. To know that other people held him in the regard to even remember the stories, to be honest with you. Um, And that they would want to share. And I tell officers that all the time, especially where an officer dies and their young children or grandchildren. And that you you are what will help them keep the memory alive by mm-hmm. sharing the stories. And it's like uh, Chris's granddaughter, Leilani, I think she's honest. She will remember him. But a lot of the stories she will think she remembers right. because somebody's told yeah, them yeah. over and over and yeah. over again. That's important. Yep. None of us really know if the memories we have as children are they really accurate memories, or we've just heard the stories so many exactly. times? You know what I think that's funny about the new generation, um, like kids of Leilani's age and stuff like that, is they're going to have things that we never had yes. when we were kids. So, oh, the video of playing with Grandpa, the this, yes. you know, right? The Not podcast. only with the bigot stories, <laughs> yes. yeah, podcast. You know, they're going to have access to things that we never did, which yes. is yep. the best. So, yes. Yeah, there is something to said about the stupid selfie for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> and why are you videotaping? You know, because yes. those are the things you're going to hold on to later on. Well, it's funny because I hate having my picture made. I would rather be shot by an AK-47. <laughs> and it's really funny because I was laying in bed the other night thinking about it. And I thought, you know, it's going to be really sad when I die. And they go, we need to put pictures up and stuff. And we got no pictures except for when she was <clears throat> getting married. Yeah, well, in the hospital. <laughs> yeah, cops climbing the bed with me. Yippee. Um, um, and, you know, when I got married and when I had children and then all of a sudden it's like her life stopped at this point. <laughs> I thought, but I still hate having pictures. Oh, made. I'm secretly taking lots oh, of photos God. of you. I still, I still hate having pictures. Made. We'll, we'll just pull them all off the website. And, uh, <laughs> Y'all will Photoshop them. The Facebook. Yeah. You'll Photoshop them. And, yeah, I probably should just consent to pictures. <laughs> Not to say y'all won't do things to them anyway. Exactly. But... We've already Photoshopped you on that train, Planes and Automobiles. <laughs> yes, you did. Please, please promise me that will show up at my funeral. Absolutely. Because okay? um, everybody's going to need a good laugh about that. <laughs> so, but, you know, it's, it's important to have these podcasts. And I know we've talked about having another one also with you and with Natalie, um, where her dad is a cop and has been involved in some of this stuff we're talking about. But she also had an uncle who was shot and could not continue on with his career. It was career ending. Um, but to have more of, of law enforcement families on these shows talking about things that would make life easier for them. And I think it's important because, again, this is stuff that's not being talked about. And At the end of the day, we do this spread awareness. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's time for changes. It, you know, when divorces are still high, and you know everybody on here that has been on has talked about their current marriage, <laughs> <laughs> and you just kind of go, "Is that because you think it could wind up in the past tense?" <laughs> but, and I well, tell one did <laughs> well, <laughs> and I tell the story in training about the man I had in class that oh. law enforcement who married the same woman six times. Wow. Uh, yeah, that was a special case, and and again, you'll have to be in the training to hear the rest of that story. <laughs> but it's uh, it's important that we recognize that there are differences, just even in in the way law enforcement does their job. You've got, you know, when we went to dash cams, it was one thing, and now we got body cams that are changing the the whole dynamic of the sense of humor and everything. But it, if, you know, let's not wait till things are so bad like we've done with firearms. We didn't change firearms till 
first was the FBI ambush in Miami. Right. And then we had the Compton with the guys in full body, body armor. armor and, you know, who held a, one of the largest SWAT teams in this country at bay. Uh, <laughs> you know, and then all of a sudden, oh, now we need rifles yeah. when we'd been asking for them. We've got to start to change on the mental wellness side. We've got to start to bring families into this. And uh, because they're the ones who are dealing with it. And again, you're the first line of defense. You're the ones who see the early right. warning signs of things. This is why it's important. And uh, also as to how families can deal with things when the worst happens. So we're slowly but surely trying to change one mind at a time and one department at a time. And sometimes it's like taking down a concrete yeah. wall with brick supports behind it and bombs and everything else. But Watching molasses drip. That do. And we <laughs> will uh, continue to fight that battle to get families in and trained and have yeah. more stress coaches. And, you know, Joelle and, and Tom, both of you, we really appreciate. We know this is a wound that opens. But it's a wound that also has to be talked about to educate people. And there's healing and helping. Yeah, right? I mean, that's what I was going to say. I mean, just sharing the story is honestly like part of the healing. Absolutely. Yeah. So I encourage, you know, if you have a story, it, it's worth coming on and talking to us you yes. know, on the podcast because it'll be healing for you. But also, you just don't know how your story can. Who's affect. listening? Yeah, exactly. needs could, to hear it. You could touch a multitude of people that really need to hear. I mean, Chris isn't here anymore right. and his story you know right well we keep them alive their memories alive too yeah, your dad because we will continue to refer to to um, tyler as well as jeremy and the ones we know and um it's a way of uh their stories even helping others and that's what i think they would all want so we appreciate you coming in and and opening up and talking about good times bad times tough times everything else and ways that things can be improved and we encourage you out there, if you have a story, um, reach out to us. Joel's going to have to tell you how he, what he puts out there for people to reach out. But I assume we have our, our emails, phone numbers. We have everything. everything. So we have, we have our email and phone number uh, that's listed, oh, and website that's listed on every podcast. Um, and then, this, I mean, we're on every social media platform. Uh, TikTok's kind of sketch right now. Working on that. Yeah, we got to get. We got to teach Tom how to. <laughs> Tom yeah. the bomb, how to dance. Yeah, Tom, Tom won't sing. put his boots on and dance for me, because Grossman does. Grossman sings. Yeah, he did. Actually. And I told you, you this is yeah. your job, not mine. Which one, the singing or the dancing? Both. <laughs> Both on tabletops. Um, so we're working on that. So in the just motor boots. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. I still want a video of you on motor boots on that little, what was that thing we saw that man riding that day? It was a cross between a mini bike, a motorbike. And yeah, I don't know what that, that was. That was the most bizarre thing, but we need a video. We're going to have to get these things and put Tom out in the parking lot <laughs> in his motor boots and his helmet. And uh, do some video there. We'll we'll get our his good friend Shirky here over there doing that with us also. <laughs> Uh, but we appreciate all of our listeners out there. Please share this podcast with others. And Especially you, with other families. Yes. Yes. And again, if you have a story, reach out to us. We'd love to have you on yeah. here. And our phone number that you can call 24-7-365 is 855-889-2348. When you hit extension one, we will not even have your phone number. 
You can be Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Joe Biden, whoever you want to be. We don't care. Go Brandon. Yeah, go Brandon. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and my personal cell, or I don't even know why I call it a personal cell. Uh, yeah. I have no personal life, so it's actually my work cell. Exactly. That you can call 24-7 is three, area code 334-324-3570. And my phone number is 480-861-6574. Please reach out to us. There's nothing we don't deal with. Uh, we're not going to refer you out to somebody else, none of that kind of stuff. We have the training here through the Stress Coaches. If you want to talk to Joelle, um, we will hook you up there, I'll get you to put your um, email at least on yeah. stuff. I don't know if you want to give out your cell number or not. But yeah, I can give my phone number out, yeah. So uh, 480-316-7648. And again, if you're FIRE and you want to talk to one of our Stress Coaches in FIRE or family, whatever... We will, you're not going to hurt my feelings. I assure you, I'm old and I'm kind of ready to cut back just a hair. And uh, plus, yeah, I won't like remember. that's going to happen. Yeah, right. Plus, I don't remember anything, so you're perfectly safe. Uh, the clue is if I ever run into you in public and call you Han, I ain't got a clue who the <laughs> hell you are. Please tell your name to her. <laughs> yeah, at least give me the idea how we know each other. And as I get older, the dementia sets in more. So uh, that could happen also. But reach out to us. Families, reach out to us also. Uh, again, we're here to help. And we just can't thank all of you in the first responder and military family and world, how much we appreciate the sacrifices you make uh, for each of us and for this country. And uh, Tom, you got anything else you want to add? No, I just think it's real important for, especially if, if you're an officer, to think about your family and what they're going through when you're going to work every day. Because um, I know it was hard for me. I didn't realize what my job, how, how it impacted my wife every day that I went to work until after I retired. So <laughs> a little late then, but I anyway. know. <laughs> <laughs> so think about your families, um, especially you hear you heard what Joel, um, how it was for him. Your families are are feeling those same things. So share the podcast with them. Yeah, admirable. You might be surprised. Admirable. You want to protect them, but right. you can't protect them from everything. So Tom 2.0, you got anything else you want to throw in there, sir? No, I just appreciate you guys letting me in here, and and uh, you know I. I through under the shield if anybody has any questions when they do run into that problem and they're put in that situation as being a liaison to a family yes. that's uh lost an officer in the line of duty or or some of the other things that are involved with that just reach out to under shield they know how to get a hold of me and i'd be right. more than happy to help any of them yeah it's an interesting process yeah and i just wanted to say uh well first tom thanks for for doing this with me yeah i uh, i appreciate it i you know couldn't have done it without you um <laughs> And then, been as fun. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, just want to honor my dad and Absolutely. say, you know, happy birthday. Yes. I did this yeah. for him. And yes. I love you and miss you every day. Absolutely. And we will keep Tyler's memory alive and going strong and helping others because I'm sure that's exactly what he would have wanted. Yep. So God bless you. God bless your families in this great nation that we live in. Um, stay tuned. Come back again next week. Do we even know who we have next week? Oh, yeah, we have Sheriff Mike Neal. We have Sheriff Neal. We and have Cindy, the, the retired firefighter. That'll be coming up over the next two right, weeks. Yeah. And uh, yeah, if you don't know Mike Neal's story, just do a Google search for Walmart shootout West Memphis. Oh, yeah, it's, it's crazy. A, it's a crazy, crazy video. And Mike's 
kind of part of Under the Shield. He's taught with me, and I assure you it will be very entertaining. He grew up in the funeral home business. And I went up to Arkansas, and he couldn't understand why I didn't want to stay in the home that is the funeral home in the bottom two floors. No, thank you. I'll sleep in a tent out back if you don't mind. It's like, hey, that's how I was raised. So it will be an interesting podcast, I'm I sure. assure you. So take care, stay safe, and again, thank you for all that you do. Give us a call at Under the Shield if we can help with anything.